You're listening to The Real Health Podcast by Ebony May. That's the thing. Like, my motivation is not high every day. There's plenty of times where I just can't be bothered or there's plenty of times where I don't feel like doing what's necessary. But what drives me to actually do it is knowing my purpose, knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing, but also actually enjoying my purpose and my why. Hello guys, welcome back to The Real Health Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ebony May, and I'm super excited for this interview episode with Danny Kennedy. Danny is a qualified PT and strength coach out of Melbourne. Through his years in the health and fitness industry so far, he's worked with clients in person and online, ranging from professional Olympic athletes, celebrities, fitness models, and social media identities. He's also currently the head trainer for the Keep It Cleaner app, founded by Steph Miller and Laura Henshaw. In this episode, Danny talks about his favorite guest on his podcast, what he thinks about news resolutions, all about gratitude and why he has a gratitude practice, two of his 10 commandments for success and personal growth, some common client misconceptions, and a big chat on motivation. I loved chatting with Danny and I know that you guys are going to get so much out of this episode. Without further ado, here is my chat with Danny Kennedy. Danny, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. As I said before we turn on the mic, I'm really excited to chat to you, but a little bit nervous as well. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Ebony, thanks for having me on. Um, absolutely no need to be nervous, but um, I know the feeling. But uh, I appreciate you asking me to come on the show. It's been, I've, I've absolutely loved my journey um, in the whole podcast world. So congratulations um, for, for having one yourself and I'm looking forward to our chat. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to get into it today. But it's called The Real Health Podcast. So I like to ask every single guest the first question, which is what does real health mean to you? Look, I guess to me, real health, um, I think it, it covers a number of different areas. I think it's, for me, it's not just how, how I look or, you know, what my fitness levels are like. For me, it's it's a bit of a mix between my physical health, um, my mental health, which is something I'm big on, but also like my health with other areas of my life, such as, you know, whether it be social life, work life, um, relationships. So it's just having a bit of a balance and that's kind of the approach I take with most of my work as well with coaching people in regards to nutrition and training is is having a well-balanced approach so yeah i guess the long answer to your question um to me you know real health just means being able to enjoy all areas of life um and still progress uh without it being kind of like a chore yeah and has it always been like that for you or do you think that your idea of real health has evolved over time it's definitely changed yeah i um for starters like when i first got into the whole health and fitness world I was quite the opposite. Like it was all about um, just absolutely smashing myself with my training. Uh, my nutrition was not not healthy. It was kind of like all based around uh, uh, an approach that I thought would help me achieve a look that I was um, that I desired. I guess. Uh, yeah, like I said, training was a bit excessive. Uh, I had no no approach to my mental health at all, which is what eventually led me down the path of um, of getting on top of it. But yeah, it's very one-dimensional. I put two my I put all my eggs in one basket pretty much, and then um, but I, I'm kind of glad I did because that's what led me down the path of searching for new ways, a lot of trial and error, uh, which I can now save a lot of other people's time and money, um, so they don't make the same mistakes. But it's definitely helped me kind of get to the point where I am now with my knowledge around training and nutrition and mental health, uh, and again, like just trying to find some form of balance. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I don't actually think there is a such thing as, um, you know, work-life balance or or anything like that. And I think the the definition or the answer to that is completely different to 
everyone, depending on what you're doing. I think you should go all in with what you're what you're doing at the given time, but there needs to be balance with how much time you're spending on each aspect. So I guess what I mean by that is like if I'm in the gym training, then I am 100% present and I'm training and I'm giving it um, my full attention. If I'm working, I'm doing the same. You know, we're doing this podcast now, so uh, I'm not checking my phone or I'm, I'm, I'm in a room where there's no distractions. So I'm putting all of my attention to this one task right now. But then after this, I'll go and do something else. And, you know, I might spend, I'll spend time this afternoon with my girlfriend and, and our new puppy and stuff like that. So it's not just all, all the eggs aren't just in the one basket. Do you ever find that working in the industry that we work in, that you sometimes slip back into that one-dimensional mentality of wanting to look a certain way and driving all of your goals and achievements towards looking a certain way? Yes and no. I still find there's times where, because I am, I'm self-aware enough to understand when I'm in that, you know, whether I am too one-dimensional at any given time or whatever, there is times where I will purposely make the decision to be super one-dimensional to achieve a, a certain goal or a certain target. But that's something that I'm in control of now, I think. I don't really ever find myself falling into a, a pattern where I feel like I'm just super obsessive um, with with one aspect without ha- having any control over it. For a lot of people, they would probably look at my life and say that it is completely one-dimensional because it is so focused on fitness. But, you know, my work, the podcast, all the content I put out, that's just stuff that I enjoy. It's not like I never, I never wake up in the morning and go to myself, you know, damn, I've got to post on Instagram about training today or I've got to go and train a client or I've got to record a podcast or whatever. To me, it's just enjoyable. So it's something that I want to do. So I do it. So if it ever gets to a point where it feels like a, a chore and I am putting all my eggs in one basket, and that's usually a good indicator as well. You know, if, if it does ever get to a point where you feel like it's a, a hassle and it feels like it's just something that you're ticking off for the sake of ticking it off, you probably are going too much you know going all in with one aspect um a little too much which is usually a good sign you need to kind of pull it back a little bit and and put some of your attention to other areas of your life as well yeah i feel like self-awareness there is key have you always had self-awareness or is it something you've worked on no it's something that i continue to work on um you know to this day like i as I mentioned before, I was very kind of, uh, I guess, obsessive when I first started. I come from like a sporting background. So, you know, I was obsessed. Like it's all I wanted to do in life. I had no other a, a goal at all. It was literally, I was going to be a professional athlete and that was it. So in that respect, there was not, there was no self-awareness at all. And then I read a, uh, a book by Robin Sharma. Um, I think it was, the first one was The Greatness Guide. Now I've read pretty much all of his books, but I'd never been a fan of reading before. Um, I got given this book as a gift for Christmas, I think, and um, I read it maybe two thousand and uh, what year? Maybe two thousand and fourteen or fifteen, I think it was. And that was kind of the start of my little journey on um, towards, I guess, personal development and self awareness. And f- since then, it's just I kind of been down the rabbit hole ever since, like um, finding different people that I I feel like I can um, learn from you know, it's led me down the path of meditating, which I find really, really good to become a lot more self-aware. It's, um, you know, I'm doing as much as I possibly can, like learning off other people, journaling, all that type of stuff, uh, even doing courses and that. Like at the moment, I'm doing a course called Momentum and it's with a group of guys. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to know um, two of the three coaches before it started and um, they asked if I wanted to do the program. And initially I was kind of like, well, I'm doing all this stuff already, so I don't really feel like I, I would benefit that much from it. But the whole course is around uncovering, I guess, the mask that, that you wear and um, and and t- tying in mental and physical health as well. And I've learned heaps and becoming more and more self-aware each week from this course, which you know I didn't expect to get anything out of. So I think it's 
it's a never-ending journey. But um, yeah, I never at, at the start I was not self-aware at all. When I look back now, I think there's I um, even though I'm glad I did it the way I did because that's there's no other way it could have happened because it didn't. But there's definitely things that I, I could have done a lot better, or um, if I had have had the knowledge I've got now, I would have done differently for sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I feel like so many people who have gotten into self-development or self-growth, they, they sort of fall down that rabbit hole, like you said, and you just you just keep growing. And it's something that I definitely want to touch on later, self-growth and, and just growing in general as a person. Uh-huh. First, though, we have the real recap. So how have your last seven days been? My last seven days has been great. I mean, it's been uh, it's been it's had quite a bit on socially, which, um, you know, talking about self-awareness is something that I um, kind of a bit self-aware of in regards to. I, I want to pull that back in a little bit because I feel like I've got some good momentum with my work and my health at the moment. And not that that ever takes a hit regardless of what I do socially. That's something that I've always kind of been big on. Like if I'm going to, you know, go out and party or if I'm going to spend time with friends or go out for dinners and stay out late or whatever it is, then I still make sure I get everything done that I need to get done. But in saying that, it definitely does take a bit of a toll you know, on mental health, on your productivity, on sleep and everything. So my last seven days have been great, but it's also um, I probably have not been putting enough attention to where it needs to be. So that's something that I'll be kind of looking to change over the next seven days. I want to ask you now about your stage of life. And I know that sounds like a bit of a corny question, but I think that it's really great to know, I guess, where people are at and what they're focusing on in that moment. Like you said, you can it's okay to spend more time in different areas of your life as long as you're self-aware about it. But I think sometimes growing up in the age of social media, we don't know that people have, you know, sacrificed some part of their life to then thrive in another. So how would you best describe your stage of life right now? I feel like, for me, I just constantly feel like I'm in a stage of growth. I'm not someone that kind of gets complacent, but I think with all the meditation and self-awareness stuff that I've been working on, I've now kind of toned it down a little bit in regards to like pushing to make things happen. Like I, I feel like I'm moving everything in the right direction. I'm doing all the things I need to do, but I'm also not in a rush. So I just want to make sure I do all the things that I need to, you know, tick all the boxes I know I need to tick and and just let it happen so i i really yeah i never really get complacent i'm not the type of person that will will sit here and and achieve something and then just sit on that for a long time and just feel good about myself and like i'll I'll do i'll have an achievement or i'll achieve a goal that i've set and literally we'll move on to the next thing straight away like and that, that may be a negative thing sometimes like not kind of recognizing or celebrating the wins as much but yeah so I guess to answer your question that's I feel like I'm in a growth stage as there's a lot that I want to um, achieve there's a lot that I want to build Um, so for me it's kind of like never ending but I just really want to make sure I'm gaining as much momentum as I can Uh, but at the same time not trying to force it uh, because uh, you know I've learned that that's it's not the way to go about it if you're doing all the right things and putting the right energy out there then um, if it's meant to be it'll be. Yeah, 100%. I think that that mentality is really important as well. I know that a lot of people listening are also going to be fans of you and your work, so they'll know who you are. But for those who don't know you, can you give a little bit of an introduction about you and your work and I guess how you got into doing what you're doing today? Yeah, for sure. Uh, as I mentioned before, I was um, an athlete growing up, so I played a lot of basketball, a lot of footy, and had always preferred basketball. Yeah, at about 15 or 16, one of my coaches said, you know, you need to get in the gym and start to gain some muscle and strength because I was super, super skinny. Um, I've always naturally been good at cardio, so when I was younger, I would just train excessively, wasn't 
eating enough and started going to the gym hated it initially because it was it wasn't cardio like I just felt like I was being lazy and it wasn't as hard as what I would have liked and then and then I started to fall in love with it saw my body changing I got a bit stronger and just really started to enjoy it and then just kind of went all in for the next few years and you know when I look back at it now I definitely was enjoying the training in the gym side of things way more than I was actually enjoying the sport itself did a lot of research and study and education around the every topic to do with training and nutrition and recovery as as you could did my personal training qualification just as a bit of a side project thing I guess when I was in year 12 just did it online um, and got into exercise and sports science at university but was going to take a gap year I'd actually just chosen to um, I just decided sorry to quit basketball and focus on footy and then um, within a few days I'd been asked to move to Melbourne for basketball so that decision changed pretty quick and spent the next two years doing basketball full-time and still obsessed with training and, and nutrition and just building up my knowledge and in that time started to see some changes in my body and that's when I started to figure out like real ways of you know evidence-based ways of my approach which was when it kind of all started to click and then um, I had a, a uh, an ankle reconstruction in 2000 and th- at the end of 2013 um, which then led me to f- quit basketball and start my career as a trainer and just grew from there so um, I'd been using social media platforms to just post and kind of document my own journey I guess and that eventually led to doing some writing up some programs for friends and stuff online and that's uh, I eventually saw that that could turn into you know a bit of a business on the side as well so started online coaching um, you know since then I've just really just worked my ass off to, to build up both platforms you know in person and online continue to build my knowledge around everything I can to do with health and fitness and the way that I, uh, I guess, approach those two things and to try and help as many people as I can. In that time, I think it was 2017 was our first year, I um, I became the, the trainer for the Keep It Cleaner program, which is awesome with um, Steph and Laura. So we've built up a really good relationship since then. And that's been a really fun journey as well. I think it may be 2017 as well maybe that same year I started uh, started podcasting and yeah I've just kind of literally like one of my biggest strengths I think is just consistency with the the small efforts just literally time after time um, and that's what has always worked for me that's what's gotten to me gotten me to where I am today which is still nowhere near where I'd like to be but I know that you know if without it I wouldn't be where I am now so that's just what I continue to do so Right now, like I guess the best way to explain what I do is uh, personal training and strength training in person, um, a lot of online coaching, so a mix between nutrition and training clients and consulting and stuff like that. Run my podcast, which I really enjoy, and then uh, still the head trainer at Keep It Cleaner as well. So got a fair bit going on, which is awesome, but I, I really do love it and really passionate about it. So um, for me, I just yeah, I just wake up every day just super excited to, to see, what's, uh, see what's next. That's awesome. It sounds like you've come a long way since that coach told you to get into the gym. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. And I think um, you know, I look at it now. When I was playing basketball, even though um, I've never, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've ever been like selfish um, in that regard. But everything I was doing was just for myself. Like it wasn't for anyone. It wasn't to help anyone else. It was literally like I wanted to become a professional basketballer. Everything I did was for me, whereas then once I started as a trainer and after I'd hurt my ankle or whatever, I started to see that I could help other people get results, it completely flipped. So now literally everything I do is just to try and help as many people as I can. Obviously, I still have personal goals myself uh, with my own training and challenges and stuff like that. But um, in the end of the day, it's just a 
document what I'm doing to hopefully help others and um, the more people I can help, the better. So, you know, doing things like this podcast is um, something that excites me because it just means that it's going to be more people that are, are going to be able to kind of hear my story, I guess, and, um, and, and hopefully be able to help them as well. Yeah, 100%. That's amazing. I think when I personally, when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts, I find it weird to have your whole life or your whole career just summarized. So with just saying all of that, what do you think you're most proud of in terms of your career? What am I most proud of? I don't actually think there's like anything specific. There's no like one specific thing. I mean, without sounding arrogant at all, because I'm definitely not, but like I feel like I've just done a lot of different things which is way outside of my comfort zone which again have just been with the purpose of of showing other people that you know you shouldn't be afraid to to fail and stuff like that like there's a bunch of different exciting things i've done you know i did did uh, a 24-hour sled push challenge twice to raise money for beyond blue um i was fortunate enough to to be a part of the um ovarian cancer australia um campaign last year to raise money for that i've just done some just crazy things that like i you know I've, I guess ticked off the bucket list, like did professional boxing fight, have, com- have competed overseas um, as a physique competitor, and all this stuff. But there's nothing, um, there's nothing that kind of sticks out where I just go like, oh yeah, that that's like the best moment in my life. I've just been very fortunate to to do some cool things, and um, and and you know, for me, the most exciting thing for me now is literally getting you know, emails from people saying that they've uh, or DMs on Instagram or whatever from people saying that they've benefited from listening to the podcast or seeing my client's results and, and just seeing how much of a change they've made in themselves just because of some of the stuff that I've been able to share with them. So that's that's what I enjoy the most now and that's that's kind of why I do what I do to, to have more of those emails and to have more of those messages and uh, and things like that from people saying that they've they've gained um you know education or results or whatever it is from um stuff that i put out oh 100 i feel like getting feedback never gets old because especially when you're doing a podcast it can sometimes feel like you're talking to no one so those those little bits of positive feedback definitely drive me as well and i think it just lets you know that there are people listening and that you are talking about things that are really helping people better their lives yeah, and like we said at the start, but I think maybe before we press record, you know, when I first started my podcast, they were, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but they were yeah. shit. They were <laughs> absolutely horrible. Like, I mean, when I think about it now, they're horrendous. And like, I would literally write down in my notes in my phone exactly word for word what I was going to say. And you could tell when you listen, it sounded shocking. <laughs> Whereas now, like, because um, I've done so many of them, I can sit and just have a conversation with someone and and kind of almost forget about the podcast and, and actually get through the stuff that I wanted to get out in the in the episode. You know, I'll go and do an interview with a client, uh, oh, sorry, with a uh, with a guest and and most of the time now not have a thing written down and just press record and see what happens and just have a conversation. And same when I do solo podcasts, like it'll be like the other night, for example, and this is what I enjoy as well. Like I'll put out an episode and think that it's, it's just, not going to do that well or it wasn't that interesting and they're the ones that tend to do super well like the other night I hadn't had nothing um, for this week and I just knew I wanted to put out a, a podcast so I just kind of went into the um, little studio thing where I do my episodes and um, hit record and just put together this episode and just talked for 20 minutes whatever kind of came up and and it's been super super popular in regards to people saying that it's benefited them a lot so that's enjoyable and and yeah it's like you said a lot of the time it's the episodes that um you probably may not necessarily think are going to do well like i've done some shows with some really interesting and big guests and they haven't got anywhere near their reception as 
you know, some of the other episodes where I literally think that like, fuck, why would anyone actually listen to that? That was, that was horrendous. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Oh, yes, so much fun. I absolutely love the podcasting world. I want to ask you a question that I personally hate being asked as a podcast host, but who would you say is one of your favorite guests that you've had on the show? Um, I, I, one of my favorite guests, um, has been India Vine. Trying to remember how it came about. Either she got recommended to me or she reached out to me saying that she listened to the podcast and, um, you know, and she may have even asked if she could come on the show because she told me what she does and, and, and it was different to what I'd had on before. And, um, I was like, yeah, hundred percent, let's do it. And then she kind of rocked up to our first episode. We've done three together now and she rocked up to the first episode and, and she does a lot of stuff around like mindset and manifestation and, and like kind of life coaching. And, and she told me that she'd never done an episode, she'd never done a, an interview before. And I was like, oh shit, I was, <laughs> my expectations weren't super, super high, I, I would admit. And then um and she was awesome like it was like i just didn't want the episode to end it was just incredible and then at the end of it she she literally knew more about podcasting than what i did but she didn't have a podcast yet because she she'd wanted to do it but she'd never kind of pulled the trigger so i said to her at the end of that show i was like i'm not gonna publish this episode until you've put out your first episode on your own show and within a week she'd had like a few episodes up and started her show and now it's it's doing like incredibly well she's she's doing all these courses and and coaching and consulting now and just helping so many people and yeah like i said i've had her back on um i think we've done three episodes together which has been awesome so for me that's probably been one of my most enjoyable because and and that's not to say that there's not plenty of others i could say as well but um but i think for me that one was awesome because i've every episode we've done i've just gained so much out of it and just been literally so excited to to dive into whatever she has to say whereas as much as I get excited about um, you know business and and training and nutrition and stuff a lot of the time I may not necessarily know everything that the guest is going to say but I've got a fair idea of what we're talking about and and yeah so for her to kind of have a chat about something completely different has been was awesome so yeah she'd have to be um, probably the favorite one so far. Oh, I love that. It's a really good story. Like, I love how you gave her that little final push to go and start her own podcast as well. In November, you uploaded the episode all about the stepping stones to success and personal growth. Can you share with us two of your Ten Commandments for success and personal growth that you think have been most powerful for you? Um, well, I kind of already mentioned one already, so I guess I guess um, I'll repeat that one again. But one of them is definitely consistency. It's one that I nowhere near enough people take seriously or nowhere near enough people put value on but it's the one thing that majority of people just don't do and people just want things to happen really quickly and just don't they are not patient enough to see results or success in whatever they're doing because they're just not consistent so for me I'm just massive on doing small efforts exceptionally well on a daily basis over and over and over again and like I said that's what's got me to where I am at the moment and so I know to go to the the next level from where I am now, I just need to keep doing that. Obviously, the steps that I'm taking in that process are going to change, and certain you know effort effort levels are going to be different, and all that type of stuff. But consistency, without that, like you've you've got nothing. I mean, you think about trying to you know when you talk about it in fitness um, terms, like you think about trying to get lean or whatever. Anyone can have a perfect week of nutrition and training, but it's the ones that you know not necessarily have the perfect week but have a really good week week after week after week they're the ones that are going to have the best results and see results in the in the long run um so i think that's probably one of them and i would say 
getting uncomfortable. So just getting outside of your comfort zone. That's, that's literally been like the reason, pretty much one of the main reasons why so many of the like best things in my life have happened all because I've done or tried things that were way outside of my comfort zone without any worry or fear or not without the fear, but just disregarding the fear or the worry, um, of failure or, you know, um, of rejection or whatever it is. So just getting uncomfortable as often as possible. I make an effort, you know, to, to get uncomfortable in some way or another on a day-to-day basis now. Um, and there's definitely times where that uncomfortable feeling is far more significant than other days. You know, some days it could be something as simple as having a cold shower. Um, but I just genuinely think that all, all the good things happen when you're outside of your comfort zone. And far too many people would never get out of it because, I mean, you know, I kind of don't blame them because it's it's good to feel comfortable. You don't have to, like it requires no effort, but you can't expect anything to change if you're constantly doing the same thing over and over again to the point where you're not even thinking about it. And I think that's the problem for most people is that they're just on autopilot. Like a lot of people do things over and over again, even the things that they are unhappy with. It's behavior patterns that they're controlling. Well, then kind of out of control now because they're just on autopilot, but behavior patterns coming from them that they do on a day-to-day basis which is putting them in a position that they don't like so i think getting uncomfortable as hard as it may be at the start that's another one which is really big for me yeah they're they're both massive i listened to the podcast and i knew that you would mention the consistency because when i think about your brand and your platforms i know that consistency is so important to you and the reason i love that is because when you preach consistency you preach the opposite of having to do the extremes um and even how you were talking about you know starting off with a massive calorie deficit and and working out like a a crazy amount of times per week it's people who dive into those extremes that then they you know fall off the bandwagon straight away because they're not sustainable so i think consistency is yeah I picture with my clients too, one of the most important things that a person can learn. Yeah, they go to the extremes because they have no intention of being consistent. <laughs> it's literally like, it's like I'm going to do this and I know it's going to be shit, but I'm only going to do it for four weeks. So who cares? So there's no there's no intention of being consistent. So uh, I, I've never seen, look, put it this way, I've never seen anyone sustain anything with that approach. So, I mean, if you want to do it, for a very and get results for a short period of time or maybe not even get results then you know so be it go for your life but if you literally want something to keep and you want something that's going to stay with you for a long time then it's going to require um, a bit more than just a, a few weeks of something drastic yeah and that that also takes the enjoyment out of it i think that if you start exercising exponentially and taking out all of your calories so you're in a massive deficit that's not going to be enjoyable no Exactly. That's why most people just hate dieting or hate getting lean. It's because they associate it with just negativity. It's just, it sucks. You know, they're they're eating things they don't even like, or they're barely eating at all. They're training in ways they don't enjoy. So of course you're not gonna in, you're not gonna enjoy it. You're not gonna associate it with with anything positive, and you're not gonna stick to it. So it's just, it's pretty simple when you look at it like that. But not enough people do. I really want to ask you about gratitude because it's something that you talk about a lot. When did you start practicing gratitude? Gratitude was kind of like one of the later ones that I added into my my morning routine and and to the personal development stuff. And I'm not 100% sure. It might have been even like Brendan Burchard. I mean, he was someone that I really started to, to enjoy listening to and reading his books and he's massive on gratitude. But I guess um, even Robin Sharma and stuff, there's a lot of, it was just kind of like seeing that message over and over again from people that were doing exceptionally well, how much emphasis they put on gratitude. 
And for me, it was kind of initially like, oh, I'll just give it a go and everyone, they're doing it, so it must be okay. And I just saw how, how good that made me feel, particularly doing it in my morning routine before I even start my day. Um, and, and also, like, no one else does it. And, and, you know, why wouldn't I be kind of grateful for, you know, even the fact that I'm alive today, to be honest. Like, you look at the more you dive into gratitude, you look at how many things you really do have to be grateful for and, and it doesn't have to be, like, the big things. That When people think of writing down a gratitude list, they think of, like, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that I buddy one touch lotto. I'm grateful for the fact that I drive a really nice car or whatever. Like, yes, you should be grateful for those things, but there's other things like grateful for the fact that I've got, you know, fresh water today or whatever, like shoes to wear, like all these little things that you realize that you would never even think about, but they're the things that um, people would absolutely die for. So, and then, you know, I really have kind of dug deep with my gratitude practices since I read The Resilience Project by Hugh Van Kylenberg, who I've been fortunate enough to kind of meet since then. And he's a really good guy, but his his book was just um, awesome. And I'd heard about it for a long time, to be honest, and just for whatever reason, hadn't read it yet. Someone gave it to me as a gift and um, I read it within like a day. Yeah, a gratitude for me, I think, is something that I definitely want to do more of. How do you personally practice gratitude? Do you write it down or you just think about it? Yeah, I physically write it down. I find that by writing things down physically, like in my journal, I find that's far more effective than just thinking it or saying it to yourself, which is not to say that you shouldn't just think and say it to yourself. But for me, that's something that works good, really well. Um, I also do it in my meditations, particularly at the end of the day. I've been trying now to meditate twice. So I'll do one in the morning, which is more so around manifestation and stuff. And then at nighttime, it's more of a gratitude meditation before I sleep. But yeah, I'll, I'll write down in the morning anywhere between three to 10 different things that I'm grateful for and like I said it could be whatever it might be you know grateful for the fact that I enjoyed a, a nice meal with friends last night or grateful for whatever that it's warm in Melbourne today whatever whatever it is um, these are the things that I try and I try and really think of before I leave the house because then I leave for work I've done my meditation my gratitude journal um, I try and do a cold shower in the morning as well I write down my goals for the day and I feel like I'm super productive and just in really good headspace before I've even left the house. Whereas, you know, getting out of bed and just, you know, stumbling your way out of the house, getting dressed and just going to, going to work or going to train or whatever, your headspace is all over the place. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's, I find a significant difference when I do my morning routine. Yeah, 100%. Same here. Bit of a switch of gears here, but what is your opinion on New Year's resolutions? Um, I think they're fantastic if you do them, but the problem is not not people actually do. Um, so, and also the 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 other issue I see with it is people are set, thinking of their New Year's resolutions from like fucking October. And like if you, that's if that's your goal, then why are you not starting now? Why are you waiting till January first when everybody else in the world is also going to start their goals? Why not just start now? So again, it comes back to taking action straight away and the biggest thing with the um with those goals in my opinion is that they a lot of time they're not even personal goals they're just goals that fucking everyone else sets but yeah not, a lot of time they're not even goals that are yours they're just goals that are just so generic and there's no plan it's just writing the same thing down most of the time you write down the same things year after year and there's no that's it you just write them down so that's that's not going to do anything i mean i can write down right now that i want to whatever i I can write down right now i want to be the president of the united states it's not going to happen so like anyone can write anything down so for me it's about writing down like getting really specific so i set goals you know personal goals business goals financial relationship and i'm really specific with these goals they don't 
always have a specific timeline, but most of the time they do have some form of timeline. Um, I then reverse engineer how they're actually going to happen. So if it's, you know, losing five kilos of body fat, all right, that's a great goal, but how's it going to happen? What do I need to do? I need to be in a calorie deficit. How many calories do I need to eat? How many times a week am I going to be able to train? Am I going to do, you know, how much water a day am I going to drink? Am I going to try and aim for a certain amount of hours sleep each night? So then you reverse engineer that. And you actually write down how you're going to do it because if it's all well and good to know what you want to do, but if you don't know how, then it's just a it's just a dream. You're just hoping that it's going to happen. Yeah. So to answer the question, New Year's resolutions are great if you actually approach them the right way. Otherwise, I think most of the time it's just a bit of a gimmick for most people. Yeah, that's so spot on. I completely agree with that one. And I wanted to talk to you about that because according to a study conducted by Finder in the US, they did a survey for the adult population who ended up carrying out their news resolutions for 2021 or at least committing to them at the start of the year. And they said that over 45% of participants are focusing on health and fitness. So I'm guessing that as, as there would be every year, there's probably a lot of people who are stepping back into the gym after a long time or into the gym for the very first time. So what would your advice be? be to those people um two bits of advice i or a few bits of advice i would say is although it's awesome to have really ambitious goals like be realistic don't 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 set yourself up for failure so if you know that you've got a busy job and you can only get to the gym three times a week don't start a six-day program because you're just gonna it's not gonna last you're gonna be super negative about it and you're just gonna continue to fail and, and you're not gonna set yourself up for success that's the first one Second one is if you are just starting out for the first time ever, invest in yourself and and pay or at least spend time learning how to do things properly so that you are you're building positive habits right from the start. Um, and then the third one would be that less is more. So don't, you know, similar to what we spoke about earlier, don't go in and feel like you need to train like an Olympic athlete from the very first day, like build things up, take the time to learn how to do everything properly. Um, focus on quality over quantity and that'll take you a very long way I think but they're probably the three main pieces of advice I'd give. Yeah I think that starting realistically is so important and being realistic along your journey also is just imperative to your success and your consistency and one bit of advice I actually took from one of your podcasts was asking my clients you know not how many sessions do you want to train a week but how many sessions can you definitely train on a bad week because if you get them on their you know quote-unquote good week and then they don't ever have a good week then there's no consistency there yeah like i'll have clients check in online and i always ask them like they got specific questions they answer and they'll be like yeah look this week i only got three sessions done out of the five um i overate my calories like about on average about 100 calories a day above my intake and i probably didn't drink enough water what should we change next week I'm like, fuck, are you kidding me? The thing you should change is to actually do all the sessions, hit the right amount of calories and drink the right amount of water. Or if that's never going to happen, then we need to get re- we need to get realistic about that and, and make the changes necessary. Because if not, not only physically are you not going to be achieving what you want to achieve, mentally, it's you're never going to have those small wins. You're never going to build any momentum if you're constantly just almost letting yourself down or constantly seeing failure over and over again you're not going to stick to it and and you're also going to never feel like you're you're moving in the right direction so yeah that's uh that's that'd be my advice is just just pick some like do something that you know you can actually stick to and and build it up gradually uh don't feel like you need to do it all at once I think that something that comes up a lot when we talk about consistency and sticking to something is motivation and I'd love to know 
for you personally, what is your relationship with motivation like? How do you maintain it when you have it and then cultivate it when it's low, but then also persist when it's not there because sometimes it just isn't there? Mm. Um, It's a good question. And I think there's probably far too many people that only get their motivation from external sources. So they watch them, you know, they watch Rocky, and then all of a sudden they want to they want to train or they want to box, and they feel awesome for about two hours, and they go to sleep, and then they've forgotten about it the next day. Or, <laughs> you know, they go to a seminar. You know, I see this a lot with personal development stuff. People go to seminars and um, they leave there completely pumped up and feeling like they're going to change their life, but then they don't take any action. So. For me, it's about actually understanding your why and knowing your purpose and, and figuring out exactly what's going to drive you on the days that you don't, you can't be bothered and your motivation is not high because that's the thing. Like my motivation is not high every day. Like there's plenty of times where I just can't be bothered or there's plenty of times where I don't feel like doing what's necessary. But what drives me to actually to do it is knowing that my purpose, knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing, but also like actually enjoying my purpose and my why. Um, and, and to be honest, like, like I said, I, I don't feel motivated all the time, but in saying that, all the things I'm doing, like I said earlier in the episode, is stuff that I do enjoy. So it's easy to stay motivated to, to record a podcast every week because I genuinely enjoy it. I genuinely know that by doing it, I'm helping other people. So there's a there's a driving factor there for me to want to do it, even when their motivation is low. So, and then the other thing that I'd say to keep to actually stay on top of it to make sure that it hangs around is you know this is part of my journaling process is to write down small daily goals every day, and then revisit them at night and either tick them off or put a cross next to them if you've achieved them. And they can be super small, they can be big, whatever it is. Um, but being aware enough to to just keep yourself accountable because like like we touched on the new year's resolutions it's easy to write something down on january 1st but if you don't look at it again until december 31st you've never you're not keeping yourself consciously aware of what you're you're setting out to do so it's going to be you're not going to have that motivation on the days where you can't be bothered because you don't even know why you're doing it Mm, knowing your why is so important and that's something i talk to my clients about a lot as well I want to know, this is probably some of my favorite content that you produce, which is myth busting and and debunking misconceptions from your clients or your community. Do you have two that really stick out for you? Um, There'd be two and I'll try and keep them short because I could talk about these for hours. But the first one is, you know, specific foods being restricted or cut out to lose body fat. Um, It's just ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean... In the end of the day, there will be certain people that can't eat certain things and, you know, people do have intolerances and and all this type of stuff, which I get. But to lose body fat, you need to be in a negative energy balance. Um, So you need to be in a calorie deficit. So the most important things is making sure you're in a calorie deficit, making sure you're eating enough protein and getting majority of your calorie intake from nutrient-dense foods. The rest is very, very – it's going to have a very minimal effect on your results, whereas – most people start in the wrong areas. Most people start cutting out all this crap for absolutely no reason but aren't even in a calorie deficit or they're cutting out carbs or they're you know, avoiding bread or milk in their coffee and all this stuff. And I'm just like, why? Like, I, why are you doing that? It's, you're not going to stick to it. Um, it's, you don't need to do it. And to me, it's just it, – it's very, it's very, I can see why it happens because there's just so much conflicting and, and shitty information out there around nutrition, which is why, again, I enjoy doing what I do because I can show people – exactly like what I do to lose fat and how easy it is and that's why I work like working with clients online is because I can take them from you know their mind basically about to bloody explode from being overwhelmed with information on what to do and what not to do with nutrition to literally just putting it right in front of them how simple it is 
getting them to to actually follow those steps and see for themselves how easy it is and now all of a sudden they've got the tools to go and eat and train for the rest of their life and see results regardless of what they read on tv or or what ad pops up on youtube or whatever it is so that's the first one and then the second one um is the it's a the myth that you know cardio equals fat loss a lot of people and probably females in particular when they try to lose body fat um you know before they've worked with someone that knows what they're talking about um tend to just go and do a shitload of cardio um hoping that it's going to give them the physique that they want but in the end of the day if you're not burning more energy than you're taking in it doesn't matter what you're doing it's not going to work so for me i try and get uh, most people putting more of an emphasis on actually building lean muscle mass because the more lean muscle mass you have um the higher your metabolic rate will be you know most of the time and then just making sure you're focusing on energy output versus energy input so if that means that you want to do some cardio then do it if it means you want to do weights five to six days a week instead then do it that way i mean it's all down to personal preference but just because you go for a run or just because you sit on the cross trainer or go and do a you know freaking cardio class whatever does not mean that you're going to look better because if you're you're not controlling your calorie intake if you're not actually building any lean muscle mass if you're just taking it easy in the spin class sitting at the back and just rolling the legs over then you're not going to see results um, so they're probably the two that I find very frustrating, but super common. Yes, 100%. I can hear it in your voice as well that you've you've just said it so many times. Busting these different myths. I actually did a podcast episode recently all about busting weight loss myths and, and talking about those similar things. So yeah, it's just, I think it's just important that we need to keep on, keep on doing that and making sure that people know that they just are not true or not really relevant. Uh, Danny, I have absolutely loved chatting with you and I know that my community and my listeners would have just enjoyed that episode so, so much. I really thank you for your value and everything that you do. I'm going to link everything that you spoke about, your Ten Commandments episode and your podcast below. But yeah, thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. No worries, Ebony. Thanks for having me on. Um, Everyone who's tuned in, I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, yeah, thanks thanks again for having me on. I, I enjoyed the chat. It was good. And that is a wrap on another interview episode for the Real Health Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this chat with Danny and got a lot of value out of it because I did as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear or see more from me, my Instagram is at ebonymayhealth for my business. My website is www.ebonymayhealth.com and you can hear and see more about the podcast and stay up to date through our Instagram, which is at Real Health Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode. But until then, I wish you happiness and real health. <laughs>